Welcome to the Eagles Nest Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this recent message by Senior Pastor Tim Winter. Thank you, Stu. And uh, I want to honor our, our worship team. Stu will put that need out before the worship team. And uh, we came together with our finances to put that increase in there. And I want to honor, uh, honor them. Not only are they serving, but they are making... Uh, allowances for us to stay in the advancing realms of technology, and that's important. So if you would like to help them or sow a seed into that, we always appreciate everything that you're doing. We're here because of the hard work and the dedication of the people that are carrying the load here. And it's Jesus, but it's people that Jesus has gathered together. In fact, the words of Winston Churchill are coming to my mind right now. He said after Armistice Day... Uh, he said this, addressing, addressing the allied forces that gathered together in the midst of mourning the loss of so many that gave their lives to secure freedom. He said, and you probably remember this, never has so much been owed by so many to so few. Never has so much in all of history been owed in his estimation. Never has so much been owed by so many to so few. And so um, that's how it is in the ministry too. And so we, we uh, want to put honor where honor is due. And the Lord says double honor to those that labor in the word and also work to provide resources. Uh, every, everyone enjoys something that is blessing them or a gift, but then there's the giver of the gifts. And that not only is God, but that's God in us, and we exemplify that too. So thank you, worship team. All right. Uh, I'm going to be switching over in a, in a few moments, I hope, to, a, uh, to my apple, but that's okay. This morning, I want to move out of the promised land theme for a, probably until around January, and I'd like to take a, a two weeks to share with you something that's really important on the Lord's heart, and that's the giving of thanks and then the telling of others. I want to use two very very familiar scriptures, at least to this church. We're a worshiping church. We love God. We love to talk about it. And so I would like to uh, give you the title, and that's Giving of Thanks and Telling Others. In Psalm 100, thank you, David. Take your time there. Um, in Psalm 107, the Bible says this, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good and His mercy endures forever. Could we say that together? It's just I love to get the energy going. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, and His mercy endures forever. Verse 2 is part of the second two-letter uh, title, or two-word title that I have, the second phrase. Give thanks. We'll talk about that, verse 1. But verse 2, let the redeemed, let's say it together, let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and the south. That You know, the, the mind wants to always stay organized, but God's order is different than our order. South is actually mistranslated. It should say see what he's referring to as God gathered people as they were moving through the midst of the sea, gathered them out of that once-in-a-lifetime experience, moving out of Pharaoh's Egypt, which represents sin, 
through the valley, which, which is a, a first-time passage, and then into the wilderness. And here, so God gathers them out of the lands east-west and from the north and the south, and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. And then verse 8, I love this, it recurs many times in the scriptures, and uh, sometimes 8, it's a, pot, a very uh, familiar refrain to the Jewish psalmist. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Could we say verse 8 together? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and His wonderful works to the children of men. We're a praising, worshiping church. Did you get it, David? Okay. Well, this one's a... So you don't... Yeah. How about that? like Troy Aikman. Let's send it upstairs, Joe. <laughs> Let's send it down to Pam on the field, Troy. All right. So giving of thanks and the, the telling of others. The theme is found in David's life in Psalm 107. Now, let's all turn to Luke chapter 15 for a very familiar passage of Scripture. And the, the Lord been stirring this in my heart. I know all of you as you read the scriptures and you're reading and just kind of coursing through and all of a sudden something grabs a hold of you. It's kind of like being on a journey. You're just driving along. You drive to work every morning and oh, there's what? What is it? Maybe it's a fancy car or a, a buck or maybe a, a sign that catches your, your attention or something. Well, that's what happened here in Psalm or in Luke chapter 15. Uh, don't I have it starting at the start? In my, let me see. Uh, I have a couple of the scriptures up here for you, but what really grabbed attention as I was reading or got my attention was the the element of sharing with others the good things that God has done. I want to share this with you. I pray that God will will just really. Uh, Cause it to hit home in your life. Holy Spirit, will you just take these words now that our Savior, the Word made flesh who dwelt among us, spoke this when people started to draw close to Him. He shared three stories that actually are full of meaning and full of revelation of who you are and who we are and the depth of your love. And your great goodness that you extend toward mankind. I ask that you would uh, just arrest us in our forward motion until we begin to understand this in a brand new way. Coming into this Thanksgiving holiday season, uh, may you fill us to overflowing with your love and goodness. Cause it to be uh, over poured out of our life in such a way that others would know that they have actually been in contact with the living God in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 15 begins, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, uh, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And he spoke this parable unto them. The then is a, is a uh, transition out of chapter 14 where Jesus was talking uh, to the people that knew him and thought that they kind of ran the kingdom. Do you ever kind of come into uh, 
relationship with somebody that worked at an organization a while, and they kind of could drop the names and tell the stories, and they've been there and done that. And Jesus was talking to those kind of people in Luke chapter 14, and it's kind of a scary chapter. I can remember in the, in the 70s and the 80s when I first became a Christian and filled with the Holy Spirit and was beginning to prepare for the ministry in my seminary studies, but uh, Luke 14 was the, the uh, you know, the, the, the catalyst for discipleship, and Jesus was laying out the terms, and so I kind of, I got saved following that, and it kind of had it influenced me, and I had an incorrect view of God's love, because in here he says, unless, you know, you forsake and, uh, you know, put your hand to the plow and, and this, that, and the other, and you, you, unless you do that, you can't be my disciple, and I thought, oh man, I got to just, and I developed a, a rigid beginning of following Jesus, where if I sidestep, and, and I remember even doing sermons um, that were addressing what I was expressing, but I are experiencing, but I saw others, my contemporaries, really falling even farther into it. For example, if you sin, if you sin, not when, I could say when, but I'll say what the Bible says if, if you sin, I forgot the second part of that. We have an advocate with the Father. It was as if I sin. Oh no, I've fallen off the I've fallen off the road. Will I ever get back again? And, and I see people, my own guys, when I was teaching in, in college at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. You know, I'd be, close the service and everyone would come up, and I thought, well, you're you're saved. I need to get saved. And I realized, no, you just need to wash. You already got saved. But, uh, you know, you, you stumbled, and I stumbled. And so Luke 14 is important, but not as important as Luke 15. Or I shouldn't say not as important, but today it's not as important. Because I realized that Luke 15, the expression of God's love, is so vast. There's, in fact, this morning as you were singing this love, the scripture was overflowing still. You were quoting it almost, but you didn't give the verse. But... Uh, it's love is strong as death. Ecclesiastes, is it 8, 7, 7, 8? No, Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon 6, 7. For love is strong as death, and the jealousy thereof is cruel as the grave. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. It has the most vehement flame. There's, there's no describing. That's a picture of God's love. And it, he's jealous to have a relationship with me. Oh, wow, my mother's notes all just fell. I like Holden. Holden is one of my favorite Bibles. Kathy, will you help me with that? Thank you. And he doesn't want us falling into, oh, no, I made a mistake, so therefore God must not love me. Wrong, 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 wrong. I made a mistake. Now watch how powerful God's love is. He's already planned the, the escape route and the the restoration, the resurrection, whatever we need, and I thank God that he's already there. So when Luke 14 says that even if you married a wife, I've gotten a new, I've got a new pickup truck, or in this case it was I got a plow with my brand new oxen, and I got a new business, I, I need to take a year off and be with my wife, Jesus says, well then, those that were invited to this great supper cannot come, because they chose their way instead of my invitation. And so he was talking to the religious leaders who thought, you know, I'm, I'm in, don't worry about me. And Jesus was realizing as he was seeing their deep need, you're not where you think you are. Just because you memorized the Torah doesn't mean 
your throne is in heaven on the high place. You need to learn how to follow the master. And by the way, the master's talking to you. And so Jesus is, is realizing that. And so he he's kind of kind of puts a stick in the spokes or puts a red light in the front of these religious leaders that thought that they were closer to God than everyone else. That wasn't true. Their own thinking had entrapped them into their, their own understanding of God, which was skewed. It was not complete. It's kind of like Jesus that day was batting for the underdog. He put all his money on the horse that who would ever, that horse, that you know, Packers, when they came in, wasn't it a wild card when they first won? <laughs> yeah, the wild card's not good. They won it all. So Jesus was putting all his money on the wild card that day. And because of that in Luke 14, then I wanted to share this with you so that you get the weight of Luke 15, three stories. Because Jesus was helping the other... Yeah, go ahead, David. Because Jesus was helping the people that were viewed as castaways, as wild cards, as they'll never make it, because he was helping them by correcting those that thought they had arrived, they began to follow him. And so, then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners. After this dialogue of the true cost of discipleship, uh, rich people or educated people or you know the people that live on the lake, um, all of that, Jesus had a new audience. The Pharisees were murmuring, and so he spoke this parable unto all of those that would listen, and you know the parable. He says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he would lose one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I say unto you likewise, uh, joy in heaven shall be over one sinner that repents more than over 99 just persons that need... Thank you, David. I don't know why our internet was slow here today. I just decided I'm not going to try to learn all that cloud stuff in, t- in terms of how, how it works. I need it to work. So thank God for those that do analyze all that. I'm not one of those analysts, but I sure do appreciate their gifts. Uh, More joy over the 99, I mean, over the one that came in that was lost and found than the 99 persons which needed no repentance. What I, I would like to point out to you in verse five, in verse five and six, uh, the shepherd, the shepherd man goes after this, and when he comes home. Will you just read this out loud? I have it underlined and and, uh, emboldened. He calls together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Let's let's read on. Either, verse 8, Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently until she find it? And when she hath found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Now, uh, next, next slide, please. Let's read verse 9 together. When this woman 
overseer of the house finds what she was looking for, in this case, a tenth of the silver, she calls her friends, say it out loud, she calls her friends and her neighbors together saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which, was, which I have lost. There's an element uh, in this unfolding dialogue that Jesus is having, and I can feel his tension on the inside. I can feel him thinking, these new people that just felt reconnected, it's just like you, they open the ticket styles, turnstiles, and said, you can all come in, you don't need a ticket. Everyone gets in there and they're racing for the chairs, and you know, I got the 50-yard line, it's, it's at general admission, and you got these seasoned ticket holders thinking, well, they better have saved my seat. I paid a lot for this seat. That's like the normal people and the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes and the Pharisees were the seasoned ticket holders. They, they paid their you know, dues, studied the Torah. And, and so Jesus wants to reach them, but he also doesn't want to lose these new people that feel, at least today, I got a free pass. And that's a good, that's a good thing to happen in the life of a minister. The life of, Scotty came up to me this morning and said, Tim, was it this morning you were reaching out to someone at the coffee shop? That's great that they came up to you. Well, that's, that's wonderful. And so whenever we have these encounters, there's a divine tension. It's just, all of a sudden the slack is gone. Somebody is connecting to God through you. And that's important. And... Uh, and like you did, I told him, I said, wow, you just confirmed the very simple, age-old, eternal message that God's put on my heart. Give thanks to God. Why? Because he's worthy. He's worthy, period. The stars, the stones, the planets, the, the sea life, the animal life, the trees of the field wave their branches in glory, and the wind pure, you know, just flows through the branches and gives him glory. How much more are those that have a living soul? He's worthy, so we give thanks. That's a good thing. And then, when you experience something from the Lord, tell others. Tell them. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. My children are living in three neighbors' homes of Colleen and myself on Menominee Avenue, we moved there in 1988. It was a disaster. The house was condemned. The selling people didn't even tell me. Could have litigated, but I thought, I don't want to go there. I got to hurry up. So my dad and my uncle helped me finish the front of the house. It's a crazy thing. She's, my wife's having Mitchell. You know, we, we moved seven months pregnant. You were doing all the work. Eight months pregnant. So I'm thinking, well, that's way more important than this letter I got from Menominee Falls, I'm a new resident, I don't have time to read that. I should have read it. Because then I had a sheriff knocking on the door a month later. Uh, oh, who? I don't have any needs. He says, yeah, you need to read this. It's a summons from the village of Menominee Falls. You haven't responded. Well, come to find out, the previous owners were going through a marital uh, strife and divorce, and they couldn't even meet in the same attorneys to close. You know, a, a sad situation for them. But it offered a, a property for sale for us, and we picked it up for you know, less than some of you pay for your fancy trucks. And so, but I knew I had a lot of work in front of me. I thought I had time to do it. And the, little to, known to me that the village already had their eye on that property. That needs to get fixed. So here I am fixing it. And um, in the process of that, I got to know our neighbors. In fact, 
I got to pray with every one of our neighbors and lead them to the Lord. On Memorial, well, I mean, that, yes, amen. Thank you, Jesus. On Memorial Day 1994, I was, uh, my first neighbor passed away, and I came home. Of course, I'd been reaching out to him. He did give us a squash, and he was a good grower. He could grow anything. And so they'd share their produce with us, and uh, I'd share the Lord with them a little bit. And I, I noticed he had a big black lab, and this is ferocious. A good thing it was on a, my little baby kids right next door. And I was helping prune his trees. He was getting older, but he liked the fish. He'd fish Lake Five and bring us some fish and some produce. It was fun. But uh, one day I was sitting in his room, and uh, it's where David and Wendy live now. And I could notice a little bit of an edge. You know, I, you know, I, I have edges. I thank God for Clark and Terry. And hey, Pastor, you know, take take it easy. Let's let's fix a tractor. Well, can't wait till you get those running. But I was just sharing with him. And I said, you know what? I got to know him, and he said, yeah, it was 1977. My wife was killed in a car crash from a person that was, you know, you might call him a, a, a name. They were, they, had, they were drinking right down there by Fleet Farm, and he was angry. I thought, man, I can see why you're angry. And I got to tell him about Jesus and how he suffered an unjust death and then turned it around and get, made it a gift to everyone and uh, just offered a simple prayer. And you know, kind of reached out to him like that. I'm talking about telling your neighbors about something God has done either to you, for you, in you, or through you. Next week I'll talk about those parameters. But here's the storyline of these two. What, what shepherd man doesn't go after the one lost? What housewoman doesn't go after the lost silver? And uh, then says to the select few, your close people, rejoice with me. This is what happened, friends and neighbors. And so uh, it was on Memorial Day. My father at the time was a contractor and in partnership with another uh, businessman and, you know, remodeling and construction. And we would always get the uh, private resort on, uh, is it Lac de Fleur up there, Snyder's Rustic Haven up there in Manaqua area. And so our family was gone enjoying the whole place. We got the boathouse, the restaurant, the, all the rooms. It was fun. The kids were growing up there. I came home and I noticed it was quiet next door. I didn't realize I was gone, but my neighbor had passed away. And so I found out my other neighbor said, yeah, Irv had a heart attack, died, and you, know, you might want to check the paper. So I went to the funeral parlor, not ever having known his family. And when I, I was in there, I arrived, and it was just getting started, and there's a woman at the door. I said, oh, hi, I'm, I'm uh, Irv's neighbor to the east. I just was going to hurry up and find an empty seat. And she said, so you're the guy. I said, well, what do you mean? She said, dad would call me and tell me, I feel so good inside. Tim just was over here. He was sitting with me at the table. I just, I just feel, I feel all better. I don't feel angry. And she started, and I, I'm just thinking, my goodness, Lord, he, he made the connection through me telling him about Jesus. And I, I, didn't know that, I didn't know that every place the sole of my foot shall tread. We'll get back into Joshua. I didn't know. I mean, I've read it. I was like the Pharisee. Well, I read it. I can quote it. Be strong and good courage, Joshua. But does God really mean what he really said? I can he tell you now, as, as a grandfather of going to be five and six, he means exactly what he said. 
Not, that was the last house we would get. I've shared with the other neighbors and prayed with them. Now we live in those homes. We're, we're turning them into kingdom, kingdom enclaves. It's, people call it a compound. People call it a campus. People, they say, what? At the electric company. Well, I'm, I'm heading over to your daughter, giving her a new pole. What about your son? Does he need a new pole? I said, yeah, save the poles. But I'm telling you, when you begin to, to, to make it uh, as, as effortless as breathing, like the tithe. In fact, may I just uh, announce to you the lost silver corn coin. Uh, this represents one of ten pieces of silver. The lost sheep represents humanity. The shepherd man represents Jesus. Now, in the, in the face value of the story, it's just a good commercial in front of the big, you know, the, you know we got Jesus. Boy, he's sure... He sure shook those rich guys out of here, didn't he? That's what all the publicans and sinners are thinking. But the truth is, Jesus was trying to get them, put down your strength and receive God's strength. Okay, so Jesus is the shepherd man that goes after. He, he fellowship, became a man, fellowship with humanity, and, and goes the distance, personally one-on-one, -on -one, to reach the lost. And when he finds them, he puts them on his shoulders. You can study Philip Keller's work on Psalm 23. It's a great, great work. And uh, you know, learn more about shepherding or visit our neighbor, Charlie Smith. Um, he's taught me a lot about shepherding. When I first uh, became full-time ministry, I would get up early in the morning and cross over the back fence line and go sit in his sheep pasture, cross the riverbed and just sit there and watch all his sheep. He had more than Because I wanted to watch him. I said, Lord... This shepherding thing is new for me. He says, yeah, it sure is. This ain't the, thing. This ain't the same as you know, playing king of the hill, getting up on top of the mountain, creating a snowball, rolling it down. I'm going to see how big this gets and how many people I can bowl over. Sometimes that's what we do with truth. That's not shepherding. Shepherding is going the distance to whatever it takes to find someone who's lost Put them on your shoulders and bring them back. And tell someone, tell your neighbors, hey, there's a, a restoration. So the shepherd man is Jesus. The housewoman is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Ruach HaKodesh in the, in the Hebrew, is the only translation of the Hebrew where the Godhead is presented in the feminine, not neuter, not neuter, but the feminine gender. And I remember Avi Waxman, my Hebrew professor, and he, you know, he, I hope he knew Jesus before he passed away. I personally got to be with him because I found out he lived in my neighborhood. And I would actually, he said, you know, we live pretty close by. And he was a very frugal man, very successful, but frugal. He said, if you drive me, if you drive me down to the class, you'll get more time with me and we'll save some gas money. He saved the gas money. I got more time. <laughs> but, uh, and he would, he would, oh, so, so you're going to be a pastor, huh? And this made brilliant. He had a PhD in chemistry. He's also a Torah cantor and all of that stuff. I remember, I'll never forget the day I didn't have the answer, but the thing in me that would start to snowball on the top of my little mountain and roll it down to hopefully, wow, we sure, we sure smothered them guys with my truth. That, that didn't rise up in me. And I still can remember the moment I was on Roosevelt Drive driving him. He said, he talked like this because he was from New Jersey. Well, well, Pastor, he's in heaven now, so I can say this. Yeah, the problem with Jesus is uh, he's, he's a man, and, and God is spirit. 
And the problem with God being spirit is spirit is feminine. <laughs> what do you think of that? And he starts roiling off all this Hebrew that I didn't know, but I had a strong concordance. I went home and checked. I thought, by golly, he's right. So, Lord, I, I, I got more to learn here. And so the Holy Spirit is the house overseer of your home. And what he, she, and I don't want to say it, what the power of God is after in a recreating, feminine, gestating form is to make sure the house is in order. And when the tenth of silver is not being given to its creator, the house is out of order. So the tithe belongs to God, and the Holy Spirit, all of your earthly life, is sweeping, garnishing, giving you opportunity to see others in order and others blessed so that you too might enter into the God rebuking the devourer covenant relationship with the God who promised to do that if you tithe. I didn't get 100% there, but I'm not looking for that. I just want to be an obedient son. I want to be an obedient son. So the Holy Spirit, now this isn't the surface, you know, Bible story you teach Judah level, although I'll tell you, Judah and Ariel are, they're thirsting for truth. Now just think, if like blinders, you only show them the truth for the first nine years. I could have Stu, Mitch, and Wendy stand up. They're going to have a faith that's unshakable. You know, the Holy Spirit isn't looking for the tithe, you know what he's doing? He's investing it because they've learned. My God, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit here. What could God do with invested dividends of the kingdom? He would give you houses, lands. He would give you your neighbors. He'd create, he would gather, he would gather. Go back to Psalm 107 real quick, whoever's back there. Let's read it. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Yahweh, uh, uh, Yahweh Elohim, for he's good, his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, and we redeem from the hand of the enemy. That's me. And gathers. God gathers people out of the lands. He, he gathers you together so that you can be with like-minded people. And you're stronger when you, when you have 40 guys on the sideline. One goes down, the next one comes in. You know, we're not calling for the guy. That, how about that? He's holding his two beers. So you could have caught a home run in the World Series. Instead, you keep your two Miller beers and the ball hits you on the chest. You know, that's not the guy, oh, wow, we don't have anybody ready to preach. Let's call that guy holding the beer at least. No, no, you, you want to be with like-minded people. Did anybody see that video? Like, gosh. The craziest thing. If I was that guy's kid, I said, Dad, you mean that beer meant more than you catching me a ball and you got to go to the World Series? I, but that's just me. <laughs> Son, I paid $5 a Super Bowl, or I don't know how much a beer is over there, probably eight bucks. I don't know. It probably tasted good, though. Okay. <laughs> So he's gathering, he's gathering, he's gathering, and we got to tell people. Let's go back to the, uh, let's go back to, a hundred sheep. What woman? Okay, let's go to the prodigal son and complete the story, and we'll be out of here. I think you're catching the point. And then, then the scripture says, after he talks about the shepherd man, the housewoman, shepherd man representing Jesus, the uh, the housewoman at its at its perhaps deepest or highest levels, representing the Holy Spirit. 
or something is common. Remember, that's the part of God that never seeks to be worshipped, never seeks to be honored. He just, he just is, or she just is. It's like I do when we were having those young children. I'd hear the, hear the or I'm making animal songs. I'm trying to make a baby cry. A baby cry. Come on, guys. You, you remember? You, you guys, you know, you know what we do? We're, we're, what we do when it's nighttime and the baby's crying, we poke the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Will you go take care of that? She, you know, she doesn't need you to poke her. She's up there. She's managing the house. Let's thank God for the feminine gender. <laughs> Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. But then there's the father. And Jesus said in the, in, in the uh, you know, hitting for the cycle here, and again, he's got some offended lawyers and Sadducees and Pharisees, but he's also got some like me that were saying, I need to learn something from this Jewish man with a PhD who knows way more than I do in many areas. So Jesus is now going to touch the uh, this really powerful, you know, the two-minute drill of his storyline here in Luke 15. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and he said to the younger of them, and the younger said unto his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided unto them his living. The father gives him his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into his fields, who sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would have fain filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, but no man gave to him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many of my hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with, and I perish with hunger? And I, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. So he's coming to his conclusions correctly, for the most part, now he deviates and gets into his soul, into his emotions, into his natural thinking. And that's all of us. I've sinned, yes, before heaven, yes, and before you, yes, and am no more worthy to be called your son. Now that needs to be discussed. He still carries the family name, and am no more worthy to be called your son, so make me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Now, keep in mind before we conclude here, these are his internal thoughts. My neighbor's internal thoughts were, God doesn't love me because he took my wife. Those are his internal thoughts. Somebody needs to change his thinking. I am feeling the Holy Spirit. If this church isn't, doesn't explode in... In, in, in population, then this story isn't true. Somebody need, I am no more worthy to be called. You, you, look at the internet. Look at the news. We've cast off marriage. We've, we've cast off that which is sacred to God. And, and the last is becoming the first, and the first is becoming the last. The first thing that God did was establish man. And male and female created he them. In the image of God created he him. It's as if that's now on the adversary's radar. How close to the end are we? Well, Jesus identified those two things in the last days. 
uh, they'll be marrying and giving in marriage, and it'll also be as it was in the days of Lot, gender blending, and, and uh, all of those things will be just, it's no big deal. Somebody needs to change the way people think. Who is that somebody? So the son said, I will say I've sinned before heaven and before you, and I'm not worthy. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and fell and ran on his neck and kissed him. Wow, Kathy shared that last week. It's the only time where we're told in the Scriptures the father runs. He's <laughs> the woman. I found the tithe. The tithe really found me. <laughs> Tim finally got a hold of it. Just because I knew the Bible didn't mean I knew how to be generous. I had to be taught that. In fact, I had to see it modeled. And I saw it modeled in Pastor Owen. He wasn't a perfect man. In fact, he enjoyed eating. I do too, but not the same. But he was a generous, proven giver. My dad and family could testify when I started preaching down there. said, I hear you're in the area. I want you to come preach at Grace. So, oh, I'll set you up. We'll, put, we'll house you. How many are in the family? So we, we'd go down there, and uh, the second morning we were there, we pulled in. He said, I want you to check in when you get in close. So we'd call, and he said, all right. And he would drive his pickup truck. It was, it was full of fresh produce. I was going to say pumpkins, watermelons, uh, you name it, all this fresh stuff. And he'd just open up, here you go, have fun. Oh, and then he put us on a golf course, and my dad said, well, I know what to do out there. He started golfing, and that was the beginning of our golf history. But uh, he, Owen was a generous man, and this father is going to prove his generosity, not only in his, in his works, but his heart love. He ran and f uh, fell on his son's neck and kissed him, and the son said to him, Father, so here goes his pre-planned, I'm not worthy speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven, yes, and in your sight, yes, and am no worthy, more worthy to be called your son. That's where the father interrupts. That's where the father interrupts. Will you say this, I am worthy for a full inheritance starting today. Not because of what I've done, but because of what the shepherd man, Jesus, the housewoman, the Holy Spirit, and the Father who ran and embraced me has done for me. You need to know when to go to your neighbor's house. The man's dog was more angry than he was. Do you remember that dog, Sam? Max, okay, Max. He, he does remember. I said to my kids, don't you ever go cross the property line. I, we didn't have any fences. I planted the trees. In fact, Stewie planted the trees there. It was one of their summers. You're not going to sit around and watch TV. I'm going to teach you some things about trees. Him and his brother and sister dug all those little baby trees up. Now i got a whole line of ash trees. and, and uh, Oh, it's just so fun. So the father's running toward him and interrupts him and f says, bring forth, the father says to his servants, bring forth the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring here the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. And he was lost and is found. And they all began to be merry. You know, to, um, 
I shared a couple of the insights about what these scriptures mean, but what you want to see taking place here in the case of the father, let's back up one. I'll go, I'll go there in a second. Will you read verse 24 or just let's grab, kind of skip along 22 like we're, we're skiing moguls. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe, bring here the fatted calf, kill it, let us be merry. All together, verse 24, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. The shepherd man says to his friends, the housewoman says to her friends and neighbors, and the father's calling, do you want to know? Do you want to know who's the first messenger? Who's the first announcer? Who's the one to rejoice over the, the lost coming home or you getting a level of obedience that you never had? It's like another puzzle laid down. Do you know where the celebration begins? In heaven. There's a God part in you that you will release as you start to tell people what God has done. Let me say that again. There's a God part in you. This isn't a Tim thing winning Irv Krieger. It was a God thing uh, listening to man's hurt. His wife was taken from him because of someone else's inadvertent actions. He has a right to be hurt, but he also has a right to hear what I can do. So the God part in me was hearing, and then the God part in me was speaking. The God part in me was hearing Abraham Waxman, the Ph.D. chemist who worked for uh, the chemist down in uh, Racine. I can't remember the name of the... He had a huge job. Was, and he took time... Kathy, I think you were in those classes. Hebrew classes? Was it, okay. And I got to share the Lord with him. Because that's what God does. Here's a favorite scripture of mine, and I'll, I'll try to close with this. Zephaniah 3.17. Fact, Stewie, I didn't know this would work. Do you, know, do you know what God wants? What God wants? Oh, no. The prize. The prize that God is looking for, which is the same thing the enemy's looking for. It's not, it's not the body. And it's, it's not the spirit. Because the Spirit belongs to God. Remember from Matt, you said it this morning, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Remember this song in the 90s? It's Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord our God is with us. He is mighty to save. Stand up. His delight is in us. He renews with His love. The Lord our God is with us. He is mighty to save. He rejoices over us with singing. He rejoices. He rejoices over us with joy. God rejoices over us. 
God rejoices over us every day of our life when we're trapped. He's already planned the way out of the entrapment. He sent his son, the shepherd man, to seek and to save. He sent the Holy Spirit to oversee the house. And the Father provides because every person... Now let's go to that deep needs one, Wendy. Every person has these needs. You, you need to have an identity, and it's seen in this story. Who the Father says I am. My lineage is restored and it's uh, indicated by the best role. Every person needs to have self-worth. Does my life matter? How about the black lives matter? How about the, uh, uh, the Native American lives matter? How about the European lives? How about every life matters? This is God's plan. This is in me in seed form. And until I water the seed with faith and start speaking it with words of destiny, nothing happens. Irv is still angry. Avi Waxman thinks the Holy Spirit's the woman that collapsed the Godhead. Instead of Tim saying, no, these three are one. Oh, my. Then we need to be loved. Let's, let's, let's frame that in marriage. Frame that in marriage. How does that son know he's loved? Stop talking about unworthiness. I love you, my son. Let's go home. Oh, my. And then security. Well, how long is this going to last? Until the, until the turkey's gone? Until, until, how long does our security last? I, am I safe here? Son, all that I have is yours and your older brother. So, yes, you're safe here. And then, oh, the security. And how long will it last? I roll them two together. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just sing that old song. It's Zephaniah 3.17. Or we could... Go, there's so many versions of it. Still, we need to recreate it. Uh, the Lord. I'm thinking of the old, the old, old way. The, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty, is mighty. He will save, he will rejoice over you with joy, with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over you with singing. The Lord your God in the midst of you is mighty, is mighty, is mighty. Then Kent Henry wrote it the other way. The Lord our God is with us. He is mighty to save. His delight is in us. He renews with his love. The Lord our God is with us. He is mighty to save. He rejoices over us with singing. Thank you for rejoicing, God. He rejoices over us with Joy. Let's give him a hand clap of thanksgiving today. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you celebrate the gift of life that you began in us. You're the first and the last, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the ending, and everything that is between. Now I ask that the, uh, next week as we take this apart a little farther and see how this fleshes itself out in a person's life, that you would energize your spirit's flow through our life. You just receive the, the immersion of the Holy Spirit into your, into your person by simple surrender. Oh, I forgot to tell you what the prize was. It's in that song. The prize that God is looking for 
and that the enemy is coveting is the will. If God can get the will, he's got the man. If he gets the man without the will, he doesn't have the man. Jesus proved that. And he spoke to their will. You think you're in because of your loud shouting, your, your memorization, or your college degree, or, or, or lack. You think your victim is going to keep you. No, everyone gets a chance to do this. I'm going to pray a prayer to surrender the will. In fact, you want to know the craziest thing about giving. This principle is enacted and given in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 and then 9 and verse 11. The Bible says, if there first be a willing mind, willing what? Willing to, give, willing to get that tenth of the silver to God, who it belongs to, so that you're not labeled under the thief category. And then it moves from thief to robber. The robber uses force to take what's not his. And you use force. Well, I don't want to teach that. I need to teach that next year. But uh, the Lord says, if there first be a willing mind, it's accounted to a man that which he has and not what he doesn't have. So if you give God your will, he knows he's got your life. And the Lord reminded me this morning, thank you. He spoke this into me. You tell the people the prize is the will. Yeah, I know it's one of the things you're, you're writing in, in book form, but you just let them know. And Tim, when you were 17, you said, if you get me a buck, I'll give you my life. You surrendered your will, and I, I met your conditions, and you're still walking out your covenant relationship with me. I'm using your life. So I, I ask you right now to just join with me in this simple prayer. Dear God in heaven, I surrender my will to the shepherd man, Jesus, to the house overseer, the Holy Spirit, and to my Father God in heaven, as best as I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. I want to dismiss you. If you need prayer, you come. We'll agree. And uh, don't forget to be a blessing to our music team as we uh, bring you into new technology. Thank you, Stewie, for all that. Thanks for listening to a recent message by Senior Pastor Tim Winter. Please visit eaglesnestchurch.net for more information.